I oh, loved him. Ew. Oh my God. <laughs> what? I You love Hugh Hefner? Yes. Welcome back to Divided States of Women from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Liz Plank. I'm Heather Herzog. I feel like we have a very different opinion about him. We I, remember him very differently. <laughs> okay, listen. Ten years ago, I interviewed him for Forbes magazine. Um, you know, at the time, I was the style writer there, and my editor had asked me to kind of pivot because they were doing the special issue about CEOs of note, and I got assigned Hugh Hefner. Now, at first, I was kind of wanting to interview a fashion CEO and a retail CEO. But I was assigned Mr. Hefner, and I got to talk to him about what his ideas were about freedom. What was the American dream and freedom? So I didn't know what he was going to say. You know, did it include naked women, blah, blah, blah. And he actually said something really interesting, which was, and I'm going to paraphrase it, that the American dream was really about personal freedoms. It was the freedom to do what you want, uh, be worship whatever religion you want, make as much money as you want. Basically, in this country, you can do what you want without having the government involved in your life or people telling you what to do. If you're a white, straight, rich man. Oh. We know that you don't want to hear us babble back and forth about that um, for an hour. So we actually have really cool guests coming on. Yes, we have an amazing guest. She's a communications professor from Ryder University, and she writes about class and gender. And we have my mom. I, yeah, I, I'm i going to talk to my mom about Hugh Hefner. We're going to talk to a baby boomer. Hmm? How about that? Um, so I actually called her. We She was in the midst of international travels, and she, she had trouble downloading the app. It was like a whole thing. Oh, so man. the quality is not great. It's like very mom-like quality. Uh, it's very on brand for her. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. I can't wait. <laughs> I talked to my mom today because uh, my mom is a really big feminist and has always instilled very feminist beliefs in me. So the first thing I asked her was about her thoughts about Hugh Hefner generally. She was really shocked to hear that anyone was sort of remembering him as an American hero. And I also asked her about um, this sort of memory that I have when I was six or seven years old and we walked into a bodega and there was there were porn magazines at my eye level as a child. And she sort of um, w would always put up a fight um, with bodega store owners about that. I remember you yelling at the lady at the yell. at the bodega. So I asked her. Uh, to put them above eye level, and mm. that I found it offensive. I wasn't looking for a fight. Mm. She got really aggressive because oh. I guess they made money off it. Right. Anyway, in Montreal, it eventually became a law that uh, these magazines and newspapers couldn't be put below eye level of children. So por pornography magazines and, yes. had to be yes. higher yes. up. So that children yeah. don't walk in and they, they, that's what they see. Why do you think that Hugh Hefner is suddenly being cast in a positive light now that he's dead? Hugh Hefner used women. There are pictures of these bunny rabbits, women running around with ears and bunny rabbit tails. Anybody who was there is going to tell you the real story and the real 
instigators of women's sexual revolution. I was there, and I remember. And no rewriting of history is going to take away what really happened. Okay. Well, thank you for always standing up for women and always teaching me about what true empowering sexuality is. Um, I love you, Mom. I'll talk to you later. Enjoy. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you for joining us. We will. We will. Okay. So we can't talk anymore now, right? Well, I'll call you from my phone. Okay. 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 I'm I'm, going to call you, okay? Okay. So that was my mom. Um, You will probably be hearing from her again because she has a lot of opinions. Um, Hopefully on a better phone line or when she figures out how to connect her iPhone to the Wi-Fi. So, Nishat, there is a male version and a female version of this ad, and it says, please note, there is a male and a female version. Male hosts must use male version. Female hosts use female version. And we're just going to turn gender the tables. Normative. But, okay. Yeah. We, I, I think that we, in a, you know, our, our listeners know better than that, and I'm going to read the male version. And, I think you and the earth will not explode. Because these sound really great, actually. Yeah, right? You want to yeah. look good in your underwear and be comfortable right? But that perfect balance is hard to find. Don't sacrifice style or comfort. Check out MeUndies.com and find the best pair of underwear in the world. Could you tell that that was the male version? And also, I I will say, the times I've worn male underwear, not because I wanted to, but because it was available to me, um, (laughs) I found it really comfortable. Like, male underwear is actually... Very, very comfortable. So I'd be interested in, in actually trying out the male version of Miyandis. I'm sure. I think it our, might be our because female of this listeners would love them. Jewel cradling pouch. Jewel we're talking pouch. About. So yeah, any male listeners pouch. out there, if you try, if you try the jewel cradling diamond seam pouch on these incredibly soft Miyandis, please let us know and you DM can get it. your pair DM a photo um, mm-hmm. by just going to meandies.com slash divided. You'll get 20% off your first pair and free shipping. And that goes for the ladies as well. It's 100% satisfaction guarantee. How can you go wrong? Totally. What's the code? Divided. Meandies.com slash divided. Dr. Sheena Howard is an associate professor of communication at Ryder University and the author of several books, about how we negotiate race, gender, and sexual identity in popular culture. So happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Thank Um, you. It's great to be here. So we wanted Sheena to come on the show today to talk to us about porn, and specifically, you know, really about the shifting cultural attitudes about porn. We've seen this theme running through the coverage of the late Hugh Hefner. As we all know, he was the founder of Playboy magazine and Playboy Enterprises, who died last week. So many women in the 60s and 70s, my mom included, as you heard, um, saw Playboy as being exploitative and demeaning of women and objectifying women. But other women saw it as a vanguard of the sexual revolution. So we talk a lot about the evolving history of feminism on the show. Liz and I discuss it. And Hugh Hefner certainly gave a lot of feminist things to debate about, right? Was he good or was he bad for women? And what, like, what did he 
What was he pushing in Playboy? Well, I think in the the 60s, especially when we think about the history of white feminism, we kind of see the kind of explosion of like women saying we want sexual freedom and liberation. We want equality for women. We also see in the 60s that that was the golden era for Playboy uh, and for Hugh uh, Hefner's products. And I think that parallel is interesting. I think that what he did with his with, with his products and the trajectory of Playboy was kind of exploit the feelings that were going on in society and kind of play off of those. Um, in the 60s, we kind of had a sexual revolution. We had the development of uh, birth control, right? Um, we had women out on, out on the forefront trying to kind of break into the workforce. Of course, being expected to be the mother, being expected to keep the house clean, and also breaking into the workforce, not being paid the same amount of money as men in a time when women are fighting in the 60s to, to break free of that repression. So what does that kind of mean um, for what we were consuming as uh, uh, media consumers and for what these women were actually going through right. at that time. And and that's what I find confusing, right? Like, I, I look at a guy like Hugh Hefner and I, I just thought, chauvinistic peg, right? Like, with everything that he's done for, you know, he was pro-abortion, he was pro-birth control, but the, you know, way that he became famous, the first thing that he did with the first amount of money that he got to build Playboy was buy pictures of Marilyn Monroe naked and publish them without her consent. Yeah, there but it is, was legal. It was legal. He did that legally. But still, he exploited women's bodies and made personal profit off of it and then continued to build an empire based on that. Morally questionable, yes. And in addition to that, you, you speak about you know the exploitation of the Playboy bunnies and, and sort of the, the working conditions that were difficult. There's also allegations of sexual assault happening at the Playboy mansion. So is it possible to view Hugh Hefner as somehow a liberator of women despite all of that history? See, this is interesting, too, because I think about, like, hip-hop videos as well, where you see women being commodified, obviously. Um, I'm thinking about images of uh, hip-hop videos where they would slide credit cards through a woman's uh, butt. Why, yeah. <laughs> and there are some people that would say, you know, these women are making a choice, and they have the choice to to put themselves in those situations and use their body in ways that they want to use it in, and they're, and they're making a choice to do this. But I think from a, you know, a cultural critic perspective and academic perspective, those images are damaging to the female body and damaging to young girls. And so my perspective is that exploitation is not good um, when we're trying to instill, you know, positive self-image in women and kind of trying to change the narrative and the discourse around what actually is liberating feminism. Well, it's interesting, too, because the United States is really based on this puritanical religious Base. I mean, we saw that in the 50s and 60s. And I feel like Hugh Hefner came along and said, hey, listen, I'm going to give a middle finger to all of you people. Like, that's not what freedom is about here in the United States. I'm going to come out with a magazine that basically unleashes freedom because that is what America is all about. This is what I don't understand, because I've been seeing a lot of people on the right sort of uh, glorifying Hugh Hefner in the way that they glorify Donald Trump. And it seems like the F you to the puritanical nature of the U.S. and norms only seems acceptable to conservatives when it's men doing it for the male gaze and with the purpose of the exploitation of women. If a woman in the 1960s had built an empire over 
selling naked photos of men for women's consumption, um, no one on the conservative side would be celebrating this woman as like some sort of role model, right, that, that, that liberated anyone. Do you think that the way the sort of revisionist history of Hugh Hefner being some sort of liberator of uh, sexuality um, would be the same if he had if it was a woman selling naked photos of men? Oh, would it? Well, it definitely would not be the same. In this country, we see that sex sells and we see that the, the, the use and the commodification and the appropriation of the female body sells and even women um, have this internal sexism that produces and reproduces these harmful notions around gender as well. We self-objectify yeah, ourselves. Yeah, we, we self-objectify yeah. ourselves. And that's part of the problem as well. We're living in a, a culture that's dominated by men. And, and sometimes it's hard to break out of those barriers. Um, and, and it's hard to see the the internal sexism or, or even racism um, that we are producing and reproducing ourselves. So I, I have to say, though, what about Christina Hefner? Okay, she was running Playboy on behalf of her father, and she was a celebrated CEO. I mean, she turned around that company. It was—the brand was was dying. Uh, she came in as a power lady boss, came in there, and so— Two parts to this. Are we going to, A, get mad at Christina Hefter for taking over her dad's business and profiting off of, uh, you know, this male gaze and, you know, the magazine and, you know, ancillary products that really promote sex and men? And are we going to get mad at her for, for that? Well, I think again, that's where that's where the economics and the and the, and the monetary value comes in. Um, of course, she's going to continue along that path because her and her family are making money off of that product. And I think we have numerous examples of people selling their ideals and their soul when money is involved and when a lot of money is involved. And I think this question goes goes to the trajectory of a uh, Playboy. Um, you see, Playboy kind of revolves advising itself with the times. So in, in I think in the 70s, Hugh Hefner's company went public. That's when we really see some of the first kind of adult films. The Blue Movie was published in, in the 70s, I believe, and it did well. It was an adult film. It was erotica, and people wanted that. Was it yeah. Deep Throat made yeah. in 19... 19- Late, like 70s, 70s I, I think I'm not I'm not 100% yeah. sure and so you know again it's the exploitation and it's the, the it's the it's the the monetary value uh, of the thing of, of the product I'm probably one of the only women out there that think that he actually is an incredible businessman he did amazing things in terms of supporting writers he got like he actually published margaret atwood which i can't believe i was when i found that out i kind of want to read margaret atwood's article in playboy uh just to see what she had written um he but this is the same stuff that is used to talk about donald trump like i i i, I can't no, help no, but no, see no, yeah, Liz, people say he's a not, great businessman he the pageant industry Liz, like he, gave women opportunity Liz, no he, he exploited no, he, and made Hugh money Hefner off of women's was bodies a promo- he was a proponent and he was a promoter and proponent of 
abortion rights so for is women. Donald Trump so is Donald Prior Trump before he ran Roe v. Wade so he, is Donald Trump you cannot parallel yes you there, cannot there, parallel what Hugh scares Hefner me about Donald the way Trump. that we revise the history of Hugh Hefner the way that we talk about him now in after his passing scares me and to me is a prologue of the way that we will talk about Donald Trump Nishat guess what I learned this week what did you learn to put a did you learn <laughs> to put I, a tracker on your keys Oh my god! Yeah, I lost my keys, you guys. If you found, I have a pink like rape whistle in the shape of a bird um, on my keychain. If anyone sees it in New York City, along with like twenty five keys that please I don't need, please send it to Vox Media. Um, please send it to Vox Media. Thank you. But what else did you learn? Um, I'm sure there's more. But I, yeah, this week I learned um, after ordering a bra from Third Love oh. that I have athletic. Boobs. Is that right? Is that how they characterize yeah. you? Does that have to do with they're cup size? Athletic. Or does that have to do with how you I want them to look in the bra? I think they're just very they're they're they're, they're overactive. They're, they're yeah, overactive. they 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 can't sit still. Got it. Um, no, so they actually what's really cool when you go on third love you select like your you know how you walk into a bra store and every bra is the, the same right like so me coming into a bra store you coming in a bra store it's just like the size is different but it's the same cup cup sort of form it's not molded but to you at in third any kind love, of way Exactly. It's not actually built for your body. And at Third Love, you actually look at all of these different sizes of boobs and like shapes and you choose the one that it most defines you. And it's super comfortable. I, I When I got it, I was like, oh, this is weird. This is like a size that I've never like it's, it was just like a shape of a bra that I'd never put on before. And I was a little worried. But I actually can't feel it at all, which is the number one thing you want with a bra. When a bra fits correctly, you forget that it's there. Oh, isn't that nice? Um, and then you don't have to burn your bra. Then it, yeah, then you can just wear it you, and be a great feminist. You can burn all your other bras that aren't third love bras. Yes. That can be, those oh. are your symbolism bras, and the ones you actually want to wear are from third love. Mm-hmm. And and you all yeah, can you try one of third love's amazingly comfortable bras free for 30 days. You just pay two ninety nine for shipping, but the bras are free. Um, and then returns and exchanges are free. Yes, go to thirdlove.com slash divided to find your perfect fitting bra and try it for 30 days for free, an entire month of wearing this custom fitted, hugely comfortable bra. Thirdlove.com slash divided. So, Liz, here's a little fact about me that I am usually loath to share, even with the closest in my life, but I am about to tell the entire listening public that I am a magazine pack rat. Like, major. I have a stack of New Yorkers in my living room that pretty much suffices as a piece of the furniture. It's terrible. I I needed to get a grip on this addiction. Oh, my God. So much dust. Yeah, it's awful. Um, So, you can imagine how happy I was to learn that we were going to get to try texture. I um, was just cleaning my apartment this weekend and I threw out so many magazines and it broke my heart. I was like, oh, like, I just don't have room for you. And now it, you know, with texture, they can all be in my phone, yeah. which is where I keep all the important things in yeah, my Yeah, and it's not just that it gives you the magazine itself. It makes it easy to search. They give you daily recommendations. There's exclusive interactive features. There's all of this additional material. But even if you just want to rid your apartment of the kind of clutter that has been plaguing you and I, it, it, that's a perfect first step you get the text app and what kind of magazines do you do you have all access yeah, to some of the best publications in the world are on texture the new yorkers there so you know i'm happy vanity fair the atlantic Ooh. time magazine rolling stone 
GQ, Cosmo. They're all there. National Geographic. You're not going to be wanting for any of the magazines that are on your grocery store shelves. Uh, Texture brings you everything that's on the newsstand shelves conveniently to your iPhone or iPad. It's normally $9.99 a month, and you get over 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now at Texture.com Divided, you get a 14-day free trial. So people can uh, go to Texture.com and use our code and, and just try out the app for yeah, free. Yeah, try it out. If you still, the at the end of your want. trial, if you would still rather have stacks of magazines under your coffee table, in your Ugh. closet, falling down on you when you go to get your winter coat, <laughs> not that any of this has happened to me, then go ahead. Keep that earth-ruining uh, habit. But if you want an alternative, uh, try Texture at texture.com slash divided for free for 14 days mm. and tell us what you think. Sheena, you tweeted about some of the ways that Hafner used Playboy and his own sort of cultural influence to advance different sort of civil right causes and black writers. And so for you, does this register as a contradiction, right? So a, a support of, you know, racial justice movements, um, but him being sort of the founder of an institution that many women and men uh, see as a tool of, you know, subjugation for women. Yeah, I think for someone like Hugh Hefner, he definitely displayed kind of conflicting notions around isms, racism, sexism, misogyny. You know, we see him in the 1960s being very inclusive along the lines of race. So I talk about in my book, Encyclopedia of Black Comics, that he was one of the, the first people to really hire black cartoonists, specifically uh, Buck Brown did a lot of cartoons for him in Playboy when no other publishers or editors would hire uh, black people. Uh, Hugh Hefner also in his clubs. Um, he was very inclusive of people of different races coming to his clubs. But then we also see his long history of being abusive towards women, being very misogynistic um, and we see this thread of misogyny um, throughout the uh, trajectory of, of his company and I think there are some interesting parallels uh, socially, economically and politically between his company and kind of the social attitudes around porn, around uh, equality and rights for women uh, that we can get into as well. Putting it in the context of what was happening in the United States mm-hmm. in the 60s when uh, Darina Stern, who was the first black model that was on Playboy on the cover uh, alone, did he open that floodgate uh, for for us as Americans to celebrate the beautifulness of black women? I, uh, hashtag black girl magic. Was he the first one to do that? I, again, I, I think, you know, if you're the first black person or first woman or, or first any anything to, to break into a field that you've been trying to work in and that you've been trying to get vi- visibility in, then you're you're part of the building block for the next person to come behind you, for the next person to be inspired and, and say, Very you know, true. if I choose to do that, I want to do that. But you also um, have to look at kind of the cultural prism of things. So when he has this uh black model um, featured in his magazine. What else is happening in society to women and to black women that we need to consider and that we also need to unpack? So we have this black woman in Playboy who's showing off her body, but what were black women allowed to do in the 60s and 70s? um, And what weren't they allowed to do in the 60s and 70s 
that they also would have would have liked to do. So in the 60s, black women were were ostracized really from the feminist movement. And when you study uh, feminist history, you see that black women didn't get to participate in the same sort of sexual liberation and sexual freedom and gender expression that white women did because they weren't a part of the feminist movement in the same way. And so you have to consider the cultural prism of things and where Playboy sits within the cultural prism of things as well. Hold on, Sheena, but you didn't answer the question. Did he open the floodgates? Did he celebrate it? I think so, giving credit to the white guy is is like I'm not, not I'm not giving credit to the white guy. Yeah. I'm just saying I mean being a woman of color and having grown up in the United States in the I'm going to date myself, but like, you know, in in the 80s, people don't think that you're beautiful. I mean, there really isn't. There wasn't there unless there's someone that represents beauty that makes it okay to be beautiful. Uh, people just don't. I mean, that's what I've experienced as a woman of color. So do you think him putting this image of a beautiful woman in a way, I'm not giving him credit, but in a way, um, did he make it okay? Okay. For for this particular medium, he absolutely did provide an opportunity to someone who might not had, have had an opportunity elsewhere. But, you know, I don't know that model's journey um, to get to where she did. So did she go to Playboy because she 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 couldn't get work other places, uh, places where maybe she didn't want to show her her full her full body for other places where maybe she didn't want to model in that way. So we have to think about those cultural barriers and cultural gatekeeping as well in the industry. You know, was was this sort of her only choice? I go back to uh, Buck Brown, who was cartooning in Playboy. You know, he went to Playboy because he had got shut out by so many other publishers uh, and industries where he wanted to cartoon and write. So maybe Playboy wouldn't have been his first choice, um, but that was the only place that, that he could get published. And so that that sort of conversation, when you think about it like that, it, it limits a person's personal freedom where you can't get work other places, but you're gonna you're gonna take this other thing, in order in order in order to get yourself out there and, and to, to try to continue on on the path that you that you want to go on. But he he absolutely was inclusive around his racial and, and gender politics as as far as kind of hiring people um, and allowing them to publish their work and publish themselves through his magazine. Right. But that doesn't mean that he also wasn't misogynistic and abusive towards women and some of the other issues that they, that they cared about. Right. And let's pivot away from Hugh Hefner um, and into the really awesome space of sex positive feminism, which, which is sort of the, I think the space that we are living in right now um, where there's been a lot of shifted attitudes um, about porn and, and about erotica. Um, can porn be good for women? Absolutely. I think, I think as long as women have choices and they are making the decisions for themselves and they're not being exploited in a way and commodified in the way where they don't have the power to make choices for themselves. I think that we are in um, uh, a time and place where women have the ability to make more choices 
uh, for themselves and about themselves and about about their body. It's not the 50s. It's not the 60s. Um, and there are a lot more outlets. You can kind of control your own image. If you want to go and start your own porn magazine online, you know, you have the freedom right. to kind of kind of do those things. Um, so I think the conversation has definitely changed and the agency of women has definitely changed um, now in, in, in the 2000s. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sheena Howard, uh, for coming and speaking with us about this truly fascinating topic. So that's it for the show this week. You can send us your thoughts via email at divided at voxmedia.com. And if you're not subscribed yet, what should we do? People need to subscribe right now. And tell a friend. Tell two friends. Halloween's coming. I think we should dress up as annoying subscriber alerts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>